Welcome to the Sacred Wheel podcast. I'm your host, Allison Carr. So I've said this a lot of times, this podcast is a complement to the Sacred Wheel Immersion Program that I run, which is a year-long program that I created as part of one small, tiny drop in the bucket to try to help people find their way back to a world where we're living in right relationship with ourselves, each other, and the planet once again. There's a lot of different ways that we can accomplish that, and in this episode, we're just going to touch on one. Normally, I do a series of interviews where I'm talking to visionaries and people who I see as being part of the revolution that needs to happen in the world. In this month's episode, I'm sharing with you guys a class that I taught earlier this year on some of the energy work that I do. Being a healer is foundational to the work I do in the world. And it took me a long time to get over this idea that healing was somehow superfluous or frivolous when compared to the work of fomenting political revolution uh, or spiritual revolution or social revolution. Um, What I discovered through my own journey that actually my own personal healing was paramount to being able to step out into the world and be fully effective as a human. I'm struggling, if you can hear it, to find language to talk about this because so much lately the language of personal development has been co-opted by movements that are largely, I think, self-serving. We see this in the work of Law of Attraction. We see this in the what has now been coined the female lifestyle empowerment brand, where the defining phrase seems to be only by working on yourself will we change the world. So I'm cautious now when I talk about healing because I While I did find that doing my own personal healing work was absolutely necessary and I wasn't getting much done in the world until I settled some of the things with my own soul that needed settling, I'm cautious to forward or further add credence to an idea that we only should be focusing on ourselves because I do believe this is a movement on all fronts, right? We not only need to heal ourselves, but we need to heal our communities and we need to heal our relationships and we need to heal our, uh, you know, the patterns and ways that we deal with our planet. Um, So I give you this workshop um, that will follow my little intro here as a compliment to the work we've been doing by talking to other people about their visionary ideas. And please know that I'm not forwarding this as a diversion or any example of being the only way to do things. I'm forwarding this as one integral aspect 
to the work that we all can be doing. Um, I do believe it's a vital part. And I'm excited to share with you guys my take on it and what I've learned from some of my teachers over the last few years and how I've started combining that in my own personal healing work. As you'll hear at the end of this lecture, I do offer sessions, um, personal sessions for people that are interested in diving into their own story and doing healing on a deep level. I'll give you some more information about that at the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to this workshop all about energy. Um, here's what I'm going to go over today. I am going to talk about what the foundational principles of the energy work that I do are to try to explain a little bit more about how I work. I'm going to go into the five elements of Chinese medicine and talk a little bit about how they relate to our lives, our emotions, um, that kind of thing. And then I'm going to go into... Um, the philosophy of five element acupuncture and talk about the ways in which I've been combining the energy work that I do with the uh, training I received in five element acupuncture. Um, so I want to start off by saying the energy clearing technique that I do was taught to me by Megan Potter, who if you don't know her, you should look her up, Google her. She's wonderful. And she taught me this technique. She learned it from a woman named Jean Hayner, who has also written a book about it. So if you want to know more about where this comes from, those are two places you can start exploring. Um, it is based on three very simple principles, and once you know them, it makes this whole thing make a lot more sense. Energy work can sometimes seem very nebulous, very esoteric, and this is actually a very simple technique, and that's why I love it. So principle number one is that all energy in nature always seeks balance, right? So we see this in ecosystems. You know, there's a... Um, sort of influx of a cicada population and uh, you know the predators that eat it will come back and sort of their population will flourish and pretty soon nature will balance itself. So principle number one is that all energy in nature automatically seeks balance. We see this in weather patterns um, and it also happens in our own health. Principle number two is that each one of us inside of ourselves possesses a part of ourself that is perfectly whole and clear and balanced. There's a lot of words that people use to describe this part, and um, I don't like a lot of them. They just don't fit. So my teacher, Megan, used this term sort of perfect jewel. We all carry within us this perfect jewel that is absolutely already well, that sees the big picture, um, that is already perfectly clear. I like to use the Chinese word for it, which is shen, S-H-E-N. Partly because I think I know the full, you know, I know a little bit more about the full weight of what that word carries. But your shen is not only just the 
a lot of times we talk about how the eyes are sort of the gateway to the shen. Your shen is your spirit, and it's this—it's the spirit that kind of shines out of you. And you can tell, you know, like sometimes you'll look in people's eyes, you can tell when shen is sort of shining brightly and clearly. Other people refer to this part of themselves as their highest self. Um, consciousness, our higher consciousness could be a way you talk about it. How, whatever you call it, the important thing to remember about it is that it is the place inside of us where clearing is not needed because everything is already clear. It has access to the infinite wisdom of why we're here, what we're doing, what our purpose is. Um, I tend to think of it because I do believe that, you know, our souls get reborn, that I tend to think of it as the part of us that reincarnates time after time. But if that's not part of your cosmology, that's okay. Um, this, this philosophy still works. And the principle of energy clearing, or the, the way that this plays into energy clearing, is that anything that puts us into contact with that part of ourselves will clear us. Right. So have you ever had those moments where you're very conflicted about something or you just don't feel very clear on something and you go for a big long hike and you're out in nature and you see something beautiful or bigger than you and all of a sudden it just has a clarifying effect. That's clearing. So things that do this are like meditation. A lot of times that's why people meditate because the more you meditate, the clearer you get about stuff being in nature, um, having sacred practices, a devotional practice or a religion that you participate in. The object of it should be to get you to a place where you are clear on your soul's purpose. Um, prayer can be another way of accessing um, this clear part of ourselves. So clearing, when we do it, energy clearing for people is simply allowing someone access to their own Shen. So we don't clear people in this technique. Um, we allow them to clear themselves. And we do that by tapping into our own Shen. So that brings us to principle number three, which we call entrainment. Entrainment is actually a real principle in physics whereby the strongest pendulum in the room will start to set the tone for all the other pendulums in the room. So if you put a bunch of clocks together, the old-fashioned ones that actually had pendulums, um, the largest clock and the one with the strongest pendulum, all of a sudden the clocks will start ticking in alignment with it. So what we do when we clear a person is we become the strongest pendulum in the room. So, for example, I'm going to bring up a few examples of this if it's starting to sound strange. So when you hear about people who've gone to, you know, those large stadiums and seen the Dalai Lama speak, a lot of times people have experiences where they spontaneously break into tears or all of a sudden everything seems so simple or they're, they're dropped into a clarity about life just by being in his presence. And that's because he is dropped into that clarity. Or Amma, the woman that everybody goes to hug, and you get a hug from her and things change, right? Because she is dropped into that clarity. So we do this for each other all the time. I mean, uh, if you can think of a good friend you have in your life or somebody that you can talk to, and when you talk to them, all of a sudden, 
things, solutions become clear that maybe weren't before. That's all that's happening, right? When we drop into our own highest self or our Shen, we allow room for the other person to access theirs. So when I am clearing a person, most essentially and most simply, that's what I'm doing. And then I'm also using the power of my intention to focus that on the other person. Now, not all of us are the Dalai Lama, so it's neither advisable nor possible for all of us to clear large stadiums worth of people. Um, we haven't been meditating since we were, you know, three or seven or whatever age it is that the, the current Dalai Lama got tapped on the shoulder to go and be who he is. Um, we aren't, you know, reincarnated lifetimes and lifetimes of this high holy sage within our religious tradition. Um, so for the rest of us mere mortals, we have to um, break it down into layers, right? Because we cannot and should not um, be clearing a person all at once. So the way that I was taught to break it down into layers by both Megan and Megan was taught by her teacher is to use the five elements of Chinese medicine. So I'm going to try to share the screen here so I can bring up a picture. Bear with me for just a second. Um, let's see. Here we go. And I'm going to go like that. Um, let me drop off. So let me see, Laura or Morgan, would one of you guys pop back on the computer and just give me a thumbs up? if you were able to see that image when I made it full screen. Did, were you able to see it? Yes, okay, good. I'm gonna go back. So here we are, five elements of Chinese medicine. Um, up at the top here we have fire. Earth comes next. Then metal, then water, and then wood. Now this system, Actually, elements are a misnomer because really the word, these are called the Wu Xing in Chinese medicine, um, and Xing is spelled X I N G. Um, Wu is W U. Um, these, this system is called the five phases. So it's the five phases of any process are said to be able to be broken down into these phases. So I'm going to describe them a little bit here. Um, we're going to start with, let's start with wood. Actually, let's start with water, because that's where we start in clearing. Water is the phase of life in its embryonic stage. It is um, time before things begin. Um, wood would be the sprouting of the seed. So if water is the seed itself, wood would be the, the sprouting of the seed, the green bud of life shooting up through the earth. And that's often how wood is described. Fire would be the maturation and sort of flowering of that seed um, or that plant then that was created. Earth would be the fruiting and metal would be the withering and declining. And then water would take us back to that dormant stage in between life. So in our human lives, we can think of water as being the time in between death and life. Um, wood is our childhood. Fire is our early adulthood. Um, earth would be maybe when we 
um, we're thinking about creating our life's work, we're procreating, creating a family, and metal would be our old age and decline, and then again, water would be that mysterious place that we drop back into. I'm gonna come off screen sharing so that we can talk more. Um, but I wanted to give you guys that visual so that you have a sense of how they all fit together. And rightly so, they follow the seasons. So water is the winter, associated with winter. Wood would then be spring. Fire is the summer. Um, earth is actually the late summer, um, so the harvest season. And metal would be associated with the fall. So you're starting to see how these elements aren't just, they're not elements actually, they're their phases within a process. Um, they're all associated with a color. Um, you saw those colors there. So we had black associated with water. Um, we had green associated with wood. We had red, fire, yellow is earth, and metal is white. I'm getting a question here. Oh, comparing, so Laura's asking about comparing the four elements of water, earth, air, and fire. Would wood or metal be most like air? A little bit of both, Laura. Um, so they don't quite fit together in a nice, nice compendium. There are aspects of fire in wood, our Western fire. There's aspects that show up in the Chinese wood. Um, there are aspects of earth that show up in the Chinese metal. There are aspects of air that show up in both wood and metal. There are, so they're, they're conglomerated. They're not an easy one-to-one. -one. Even with water and fire, the two that, and earth, actually the three that do fit, um, there's some differences in how they characterize um, things like emotional processes and stuff like that. Thank you for asking that question. So we use these processes in clearing to clear um, not only, so there's an emotional process that goes with each one of these five elements. So water is associated with fear. Wood is associated with anger. Um, fire is associated with joy or mania. Um, earth is associated with worry or overthinking. Metal is associated with grief and loss. So when we clear a person, we're clearing for all five elements. And in doing that, we're hitting not only an emotional component, there's also a system of internal organs that they relate to. So water is associated with your kidneys and your bladder. Wood is associated with your liver and your gallbladder. Um, fire is associated with your heart and actually your small intestine, which is a strange one for some people. Earth is associated with your digestive organs, so your stomach, and they call it the spleen, but really what it is is sort of the pancreas system, so digestion. Um, metals associated with your large intestine and your lung. So when we clear for a person, not only, and we clear for their metal element, not only are we clearing any issues they might have around grieving, but we're also clearing any physical ailments that they might have around their lungs, their large intestine, um, any, and then there's channels within your body. So sometimes that might relate to just pain you're having in your lung channel, which runs down the front of your arm, which might have nothing to do with your actual lungs or the feeling of grief. But in clearing for the element, we kind of are, it's a broad spectrum way to reach all of those things. You can use any system of layers to break down clearing for a person. Um, they used to use a series of layers that uh, I think was originally related to a Steiner system or perhaps an Ayurvedic system where you clear the etheric layer and then you clear um, 
you clear the aura and then you clear the etheric layer and then you clear the physical layer. So there used to be a whole system of layers that, that these, uh, this school of thought used to clear people. And now what they found is the five elements work so well because it's an integrated system. It's both emotional and spiritual and physical and circumstantial. Um, so when you're clearing fire for somebody, you might be clearing the emotion of, you know, any issues they have around mania, but you might also be clearing any issues they have around love and romance. So it's a broad spectrum way of hitting all the areas of life and breaking it down into manageable components so that you can clear their whole being and also not, not knock yourself on your own butt. Um, so when we clear for a person, what's happening is our Shen or our highest self is we are dropping into that presence of that part of ourself. That part of ourself is reaching out and making contact with the presence in the other person. So my Shen is communicating with your Shen. Your Shen is giving me anything that is ready to go. And it is being cleared because it's coming into contact with the highest part of both of us. So with clearing, it is very hard to overdo it. It's near impossible to make a mistake. There's nothing you have to worry about because only the things that are ready to be cleared get cleared. We're not interfering with anybody's karma. We're not interfering with them learning their life lesson. Um, it's simply getting rid of the garbage that is getting in the way of them being in access to their highest self, their Shen. Now I wanna talk a little bit about the theory of five element acupuncture, right? Which is uses the system of the five phases in Chinese medicine or in actually Chinese culture because it's not just medicine that the five phases come into play. Um, I wanna talk about the specific system of thought called classical five element acupuncture. So this is a system of medicine that was brought to England by a man named J.R. Worsley. He studied for many years in uh, Hong Kong and China and Taiwan and Japan. Um, and he sort of brought back this system as a way to teach this medicine to Westerners. Um, the theory behind it is that each one of us in childhood experiences an event that hits us in one of our elements. It hits us in one of the five element systems. So when these systems are working perfectly within the body, it's like a harmonious family, right? Um, you know, the large intestine is taking out the garbage, the lung is bringing in fresh oxygen, the spleen and stomach are digesting the food, the heart actually is in charge of all of our conscious thoughts. So it's making the executive decisions for the body. Um, the, what did I leave out? Oh, the liver and the gallbladder are executing the plans that need to take place. Everything is operating in perfect harmony. And we see this in kids, um, usually under the age of six. I think of it, I, or I, the way I like to talk about it is when kids, before they get sticky, right? So we've all seen children, and I, my son is still in this phase right now, where something will happen and it'll be tragic horrible, the worst thing ever. And five minutes later, he's like, no, I'm good, I'm fine. I had my cry, I got it out. I'm happy now, I'm ready to go play. Things don't stick to him yet. 
sometime in the next few years, he will get to a place where things will get sticky. And I can see this in my nieces. One of them has just turned um, six and she's now sticky. And it takes her a while to get over stuff. She actually holds a grudge. If something happens that she doesn't like, she will hold on to it. Things, events that happen to her are starting to stick. This is inevitable. It happens to all of us. And the theory of why, according to five element, classical five element acupuncture, is that an event has, has hit her in one of the elements. And it doesn't actually even have to be a horrible event or a tragic event, but it was hard enough for her and her concept or any of us and our concept of the world that we started creating stories around it. And the way we talk about it in Chinese medicine is that that element then stops functioning the way it used to. It decides that it doesn't want to do its job. I don't want to show up for love. I don't actually want to be open-hearted because that hurt and I don't want that to happen again. So I'm going to shut that part down and I'm going to stop using that elemental, that capacity, that elemental capacity within myself. Now what happens is every other organ in the system has to start compensating. When this happens, we also then start developing stories about life. Um, or I heard a good word for this, cognitive, what was it? Cognitive distortions um, is a psychological term. So I'm going to give you a really gross simplification of the stories that the elements like to circulate around. No, this is an oversimplification. So I studied this system for many, many, many years to learn the nuances of how these distortions show up for the elements. Um, but this will start to give you an idea of how this works. So water, the dis cognitive distortion that it might start to create within a person's life is the message that I'm not safe. I actually could die at any moment. I'm not safe. It's not safe to be here. Would the cognitive distortion that gets created is life is not fair. Things are not fair and life is unjust. Fire, it is that love and intimacy are not safe. So again, it's still a story of I'm not safe, but it's, I'm actually, I, I'm not safe to trust people. I'm not, I'm not safe, I'm gonna get killed. Earth, the cognitive distortion that gets created is um, nobody has it as hard as I do. And nobody cares about how hard things are for me. Metal, the cognitive distortion that can, can, can get created is I'm not good enough. I'm just simply not good enough. There's something wrong with me. Um, and for whatever reason, I'm lacking and I'm just not good enough. Now, as I read through these, I'm sure that there are some of you out there that are thinking, oh, check, um, but check and check. Yep, and check, got that one too. So what I want to say is we all run these stories at different times in our lives. We all have events or triggers or things that bring up these cognitive distortions for us. They are universal. They are um, common to many of this of us. So it, one, it highlights how we're, none of us are just one element, but what we're looking for when we, do it, when, we, when we do a diagnosis in classical Chinese acupuncture is we're looking for what is the core root story that the person has started sort of forming their life around. 
And because this system recognizes how emotions are intricately linked to health, which is intricately linked to um, the flow of energy in our body, when we can correct these cognitive distortions, right, people come into alignment with their highest self, which is a realization of the truth that actually none of these stories are true. Um, even though they may have been true at one point in your life, they're not true for the whole rest of your life. When we find that, we've got our diagnosis. And the theory behind five element acupuncture is that if we can support and supplement and nourish and comfort the element that first took you know, the damage of whatever event it was we experienced in childhood, and bring it back into the family of the elements, wellness will be created. Accessing that part of ourselves that is our Shen, our highest self, will become easier. Um, health will start to become easier. Um, symptoms of dis-ease will start to resolve. Um, the body will then revert back to its self-healing mechanism. Because remember, our first principle was that all things in nature, our bodies included, are seeking balance. If we've got a part of us that isn't functioning properly, the rest of our body is just trying to seek balance. It's like trying to, you know, it's like, it's like trying to seek balance when we've lost a part of our body, a limb or something that we relied on for balance. We're going to find our next equilibrium. But if we can find a way to bring that part of ourselves back, balance will be even easier. So how do we do this? Um, when we listen to the stories, right? We're not just listening to somebody's personal stories, but we're listening to the themes that they start to circle around when talking to us. But we also use our senses because what's interesting about this technique is that the enteric nervous system of somebody's body will actually show you where help is needed. It's like, it's like little warning lights that are going off. So we look at the color of somebody's face, especially right around their eyes, and sometimes right around their mouth. And we'll start to notice subtle changes in that coloring. So we're looking for the colors that, that are associated with the five elements. Are we seeing red? Are we seeing a white pallor? Are we seeing some yellow? Are we seeing little, little bits of green undertone in their skin? Are we seeing blue or black? I'm listening to the sound of somebody's voice. So are they talking really high and kind of light and are they always kind of going up at the end and as things, you know, sounding kind of like this or are they talking really heavy and is their voice kind of groaning and is it almost seem like it's hard for them to actually even get the words out. So I'm listening to not just what they're saying, but what is the, the sort of cadence of their voice doing when we talk. If I were in the same room with them, I would be actually using my nose. What, what, what sort of smell, what, what are the undertones of the odor that they carry with them? And I'm listening to their story for what are the, what are the overarching emotions that gets conveyed? What is the thing that they're looking for most? Once we have that diagnosis, once we've decided which element we're gonna try 
that if we think, okay, if I pinpoint this, which element is sort of at the center of this constellation of dis-ease within their body, we use the points, and specifically the points on that channel, to bring back balance. And when you get the diagnosis right, and when you have the right point prescription, the results can actually be quite miraculous. Now, what are the points? Because I don't know if everybody listening to this video has had acupuncture before, but certainly I think by now we're all familiar with those pictures of the meridians on the body, the lines, and then in it are specific points, acupuncture points. This is where we put the needles. What are those points actually? What are they? Um, so a lot of ways that they get described by people who practice acupuncture as being sort of these biochemical sort of gateways. When we open the gate, energy flows and chi is allowed to circulate and wellness returns. And that's true. And that system works. In five element acupuncture, classical five element acupuncture, there's a deeper layer of looking at what the points are. So we think of the points not only as these biochemical gateways that we can open to bring energy flow into a certain area, but they're also stories in and of themselves. Each one has a name, and that name is not just a letter and a number. In the, in the Western, we often hear about, you know, somebody will needle LI4, which is this point right here on your hand. Well, it turns out LI4 is also got a Chinese name, Hagu. And that name can be translated many different ways. Um, but one of the ways, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I can even remember the exact translation. But this point is also refers to sort of a joint here or a stream opening up. And because these names are in Chinese characters, they're not just words like we think of English words that are a series of letters strung together that tell us which sounds to make with our mouth, but they're actually pictures. And within those pictures are bits of characters from other words. So a character might be made up of three different parts that all refer to three other words. So now we have a deeper system of meaning around this one character. Within that, those three different parts, there's also a series of homonyms that can be created in the Chinese language because there are far fewer sounds in the Chinese language than there are words. So you can say the same sound four different ways and it means four different words, but those words are all linked together through the symbols of the homonyms. So when I say a word like mu, it, is, it means one thing, but when I say mu, it means a different thing. But the fact that those words are homonyms links them together kind of symbolically. So if anybody's ever studied literature, uh, Western literature, and you know how there are certain things that show up, and maybe when you know this British author in the in the Victorian age is writing about it, what he's doing is he's alluding to you know a poem that existed in Greek mythology. Those allusions and those references, it's the same thing that exists within these characters. There's a sort of a myriad or a system of associations and references. And when we start to learn these and know them, we start to, we can pull in all these different associations for how these points can be used. 
So there's mythology that these points refer to. There's a symbology that these points refer to. And I would even argue that there is a spirit to each one of these points. And it's not just me arguing this. This is the theory that we're taught in classical Chinese um, five element acupuncture, is that there's actually a spirit within these points. These points carry a spirit in and of themselves. And, or a little bit of a consciousness to them. And that they can walk us through the life lessons that we need to learn for our journey here on earth. So I'm gonna give you an example. Um, I'm gonna move this down just a little bit. So there's a point here, right on your chest, if you feel in between your rib spaces. So you'll, you'll drop down from your clavicle and you'll feel that first rib space. You'll drop down one more and you'll feel that nice big one. And you go one more below that. And that's kidney 24. It's the third intercostal space right next to your clavicle there, right next to your sternum. Sorry, clavicles up here, sternum down here, right in those rib spaces. And you'll feel it. It might be a little bit sore for you. So that point we refer to as spirit burial ground, which automatically, if we go from kidney 24 to spirit burial ground, automatically we're opening up a whole new set of associations in your brain. So burial ground, right? Spirit tells us that it's a point that will affect our spirit. Burial ground is both a place that we go to lay things to rest. Um, it is also a place where it might have the opposite effect. So it might be a place where, so this point might be telling us this is also a place where we could reawaken something. Um, so I use this point a lot for people when they've experienced a little bit of a soul death and it's time to sort of let the old them rest and reawaken whatever new them is ready to be reborn. Um, it's also a place that, it's also a point that I use when it feels like somebody's spirit is just not present, just not wanting to be there when somebody's kind of just resigned um, and given up on life. This might be a point that I would use to try to reawaken that, um, revive the spirit in a way. So that is how we use the points in Chinese in classical five element acupuncture. So if you've ever been to a classical five element acupuncturist, you'll notice that they probably burn a lot of moxa on you. So there's a little herb called mugwort that they roll up into cones. We would burn several cones on spirit burial ground, and then we would do a needle. It's a very different system than going to an acupuncturist and just having a bunch of needles popped into your body and then you get to rest for a few minutes. Um, so here is the exciting part about how I've learned to combine the energy clearing technique that I learned from Megan Potter and her teacher and with the classical five element training that I've had. And the discovery was very simple, which is that entrainment works with the points as much as it works with our own spirits, right? So we are, always, we are already trying to break things down into layers to do a clearing. The points are just one more set of a layer that we can clear for. So with clearing, 
not only do we break things down into layers, but sometimes it helps to break things down into specifics. So I could do a general clearing for all five of your elements, but if I know that what you're struggling with or you ask me to do a clearing on a specific issue you're having, such as I'm having an issue with confidence, if I then go through and clear any issues with confidence in your water level, in your wood layer, in your fire layer, in your earth layer, and in your metal layer, it's a slightly more pointed and specific clearing. Now, if I know that your five element diagnosis happens to be earth, and I also, and you, and from talking with you, I know that confidence is an issue, I can choose a point that helps people with an earth imbalance feel more confident because I know that system within my body. So that is simply what I've, what I've learned and what I've started offering um, people in private sessions. And I'm calling them journey sessions because somebody suggested I call them needleless acupuncture, but it's not acupuncture. We're not doing acupuncture. It's something different. So I think of it as we're, what we're doing is we're taking your body and your soul on a journey. And we're opening up those places and giving a little energy to those places using the points, which you've already carry with you. I have the points in my body. You have the points in your body. So let's awaken the point that we know is going to help you most at this time. So how do I actually do this? Um, I use a pendulum. And if you're like me, um, I was one of those people who thought of this pendulums as being, let's, how do I put this? So there used to be a time in my life where I thought that if I ever found myself doing this, that it was probably time to be put out to pasture, right? This was the pinnacle of just too woo and kooky for me. I, yet here I am. Um, so here's how I've come to wrap my head around what a pendulum is doing. So if you're familiar with these, a lot of people use them for dowsing, getting a yes or no answer. Um, the way I think about a pendulum is your body has a wisdom. Your body actually is far more sensitive than most of us give it credit for. So your body knows how to pick up on things that even your consciousness doesn't, right? So this, we all know this in that there could be, you know, a fire engine outside. And if I'm trying to block out outside noise or concentrating really hard, my ears will hear it, but my, my brain will block out the sound. And I won't even remember that I heard a fire engine. So information is coming at us all the time. What I think of the pendulum as is, have you, if anybody's ever gone fishing here, um, the end of the fishing uh, pole and really good fishing poles have a very flexible very sensitive tip to them, right? And what that allows you to do is tell when there's been the slightest, you know, tap of the fish on the line, the top of the fishing pole will kind of go crazy. I think of this pendulum as just kind of the tip of the fishing pole of my body. So it's allowing me, and my body is picking up subtle movements or subtle, you know, energies from around. And the pendulum is just allowing me to have a big old wiggly thing on the end that makes it very clear what it is I'm picking up on. That's the way I've come to uh, live with the fact that I'm now a person who uses a pendulum daily. Um, so what I'm doing with the pendulum is I'm asking questions. Is it okay? Is it appropriate at this time to do this work? I've got a, a movement for my pendulum that means yes and a movement that means no. And I'm also asking the pendulum to show me 
when I'm in clearing mode and when that clearing is finished. So I'm asking things like, is it appropriate for me to clear this? Can I clear it all at once? Can I clear half of it? Um, show me when we're done clearing. Is there anything more to clear? Those kinds of things. And simply then, I'm just dropping into clearing mode. And it's by me being clear and sending my intention towards the other person that then they are invited into a space where they can be cleared. Now let's talk about the difference between these two systems that I've described. So there's the remote energy clearing, which is the system I learned from Megan Potter. And there's the journey sessions that I'm doing. Like I described before with the remote energy clearing, you, this is a totally foolproof and safe, unfuck-upable system, right? You can only clear what is ready to be cleared for somebody. For that reason, you don't need somebody's permission to clear for them, right? As Megan used to tell us, would you ask for somebody's permission to pray for them? Would you ask for somebody's permission to send them love? Usually not. Usually if we're worried about somebody and we want to send them a blessing, we just do it. I'm sending you love. I'm sending you, I'm praying for your well-being. The same is true with clearing. There's nothing that can happen to them that they aren't ready to be. So when I clear for somebody, if I, like, let's say I'm worried about my mom and I want to clear for her, I don't need to ask her because there, I'm not going to clear anything that she isn't already ready to let go of. I'm not going to clear anything that her soul isn't already ready to go. That's just not part of the contract. Now, when I do journey sessions for people, it's not the same thing. These points, like I was describing before, they kind of have a spirit on their own. And so one, I can't know what the right points would be for you unless I'm talking to you and getting information from you, which is would also include the permission to do this work for you. But two, I also need to know what I'm doing. I need to know what the points are and how they work and how they're going to affect somebody. And then the points kind of have a life of their own. So when we awaken spirit burial ground for a person, yes, it is still always for their highest good, but that doesn't mean that they're ready for it. And so when, when something gets awoken in some, somebody and they're not ready for it, it can cause what we call a healing reaction, or it can cause a sort of crunchy or difficulty integrating the lesson. So that's where the training comes in. That's where my years of training come in. So I'm just saying that in, in case any of you are like, oh, I want to start trying that. I want to experiment with it. I have a headache. Maybe I'll try, you know, I've read and I've read that this point's good for a headache. So maybe I'll try just clearing for this point. And I just want to warn you against trying that on your own of like, learn what you're doing and know what you're doing. So that in a nutshell is energy clearing and how it is mixing with five element acupuncture. Thanks for joining us for that workshop. So I want to give you some resources before we end this episode of the Sacred Wheel podcast. If you are interested in finding out more about the style of energy clearing I'm talking about, Jean Hayner has an excellent book. It's called Clear Heart, Clear Home. And I think it's put out by Hay House, but I could be wrong. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
If you are curious and would like to explore healing sessions, either remote energy clearing or the journey sessions I talked about uh, in this workshop, you are welcome to get a hold of me. My website is alisoncar.net. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-C-A-R-R.net. And you want to click on the link uh, on my homepage that says work with me and then click on the link that says energy healing. This has been... Uh, the Sacred Wheel Podcast. I'm your host, Allison Carr, and thank you so much for joining us today.